0: So uh, for, the, for eight weeks or so, we've actually been studying out and we, we've done a series called Why I Trust My Bible. But I kind of come to you today with saying this, that, that the answer to that question has very real implications in our life. You know, why I trust my Bible and, and really the, the journey that we've taken that proves out the divinity of God, the divinity of Jesus Christ, and ultimately proves out the truth of the claims that are found in Scripture, that has implications on me. We read in 2 Timothy Chapter 3, starting in verse 16. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God and woman of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. The word inspired there in the original language literally means God-breathed. So, I mean, I'm sure you're aware by now that when you speak, you actually breathe, right? You aspirate. If you were to speak closely to a a window or a mirror or something, you'll see it fog up. So, God-breathed essentially means that the Word of God that you have, this which we've proved out as being trustworthy and true over the last eight weeks, this this being God-breathed means He's literally the author of it. Like, He's the one, it initiated with Him, it started with Him in the first place, and, you know, it's it's God-breathed in essence. There's a couple of ways that that can... Can come about when we see the book of revelation with john the apostle right and in john with john the apostle i mean he gets revelation the coolest way ever because you know here he is on the lord's day he's in the spirits worshiping god he's just kind of in that zone and all of a sudden angels show up right he has a totally open vision and god in essence directly communicates a message word for word that he then says to john write down what you hear right How many of you have read the book of Revelation? Good. We've got an entire series on it. Maybe we want to visit that. (laughs) So John, John, he literally says, write down exactly what you hear. Now, I don't know about you, but I long to get some revelation like that. You know, where I have an open vision and Jesus comes and he talks to me and says, hey, here's the deal. You know, or or there's a vision that happens. You know, I have some kind of an open vision. I, I don't understand a bit of that. And Jesus says, oh, hey, let me tell you about this. Here, get a pen. Write this down. You know, and I get to, he literally dictates something to me of his heart. So there's one way in that sense that the the scripture is obviously inspired by God. Literally, God breathed, dictated by him and recorded by man, right? But there's another way in that sense that God has inspired his word, which we see really predominantly throughout all of scripture. And the reality behind the written word that we have is that it came through vessels just like me and you. You know, and this God-breathed... It doesn't mean that God himself had a pen and a pencil or a pad of paper and that he wrote something down like he did really in essence for Moses, right, on the mountain. He writes with his finger in stone. That's a pretty cool trick. You know, so he literally is the one... For most of Scripture, that's not how it was given. For most of scripture, it was actually given by being inspired through the Holy Spirit, through impressions, through him being able to to put pressure on, to speak through an individual. And the reason that we know it folds out like that is because all of the 66 books of the Bible, uh, a variety of those having been written by different authors, you see the complexities of their own personalities come out in the text as we read it. You know, so you have, you know, even in the gospel accounts we see this happening. You have Dr. Luke, if you didn't know he was a doctor, Dr. Luke emphasizes different unique things that would have been more or that would have spoke out more to him as he relates the gospel message as opposed to Matthew and Mark or even John who related it slightly different according to their own perspective and their own personality. It doesn't make it any less inspired. it just means that the inspiration of God or the speaking of the Word of God has come through vessels and thus we see their personality reflected in that. So I love James, I love Peter, I love all those guys, because they are like, they cut to the quick, man. They've got like a sword in their hand, and he's like, look, faith, you know, James in this case, faith, faith ain't gonna get you anywhere. (laughs) You know, you're not even saved with faith and you know it's like what <laughs> wait a second what about Romans he's like you know, no, faith has to produce something it's just so you can so see his personality in that and Peter we talk about Peter all the time putting his foot in his mouth this kind of thing Peter was direct and awesome you know and so we see in Peter at first and second Peter you see him going for it just cutting right with the sword getting right after it's like come on people are you even saved here's the deal here's how you know he's just right straight in your face about it just love that about Peter and about James but the point is this those are in contrast from the epistles that Paul wrote to the churches like Galatians uh, Galatians, ephesians Corinthians, and those, that, those things are in contrast to the book of uh, yeah to the book of Acts as we see luke 's account of the first church and all the things that are happening there, so it becomes obvious. That not all of the books were dictated by God's finger on a piece of stone, you know, or by an open heaven vision where people had an encounter and God said, Write what you hear. It becomes clear as we see their personalities reflected in the word, you know, that there's some of them in there. And, and Josh McDowell, he's a, uh, he's a preacher, a well known individual in the faith, he, he says this He says, The human authors of Scripture wrote spontaneously using their own minds and experiences, yet their words, were not merely the words of men, but were actually the words of God. I felt like that was a pretty good way of saying that. So the reality becomes this, then. You know, like I said, we've spent eight weeks proving out the historicity of the Bible, the ultimately coming to the conclusion that the Bible is true that what's written in the Bible is true, that the events that are recorded there were true in history, that it all actually unfolded, that this is a historic work and that it's accurate, that the claims that are written there are true. You know, And, and, and now the Bible says of itself in 2 Timothy that it's actually inspired by God himself. So the Father God in heaven has literally breathed the word into being and we've captured it and been able to write it in a, in a book and we've canonized it as scripture, right? I don't know about you, but that makes what's written there pretty doggone important, don't you think? (laughs) Yeah, it makes it pretty darn important. Let's put it this way. Let's suppose just for a minute that the God of the universe... You know, the one who spoke that there was nothing, and yet when he speaks, all of a sudden things are created and put into existence. The, the multitudes of the stars and planets and galaxies that exist, he knows them by name. He formed and he fashioned them. You formed and fashioned, just created from the dust, from nothing. This God, the God of everything, who knows the beginning from the end, who's immensely bigger than what we could ever imagine, and who's able to do more than we can ask or think. What if this God decided to write a letter And in that letter outlines to the planet Earth all of the ways in which you could maximize your life on this planet. You know, the way that you can maximize the impartation of your life and the raising up of your children. The way that you can maximize and squeeze every drop of amazing goodness out of your relationship with your spouse on the earth. The way that you can relate to other people you know, in the give and take of life. What happens when other people malign you or say bad things about you? What do you do? Even the spread of the gospel and the very nature of being reconciled to the Father all listed in this letter. This amazing letter from the God who created everything. Would you read it? See, because if it's a really important book and we take it the next step and we say it's the word of God, breathed, inspired, initiated, released by him and captured by us. Don't you think we owe it to him to read the letter? Yet for far too many of us, we have you know, with our 15 Bibles on the shelf. <laughs> you know, we're so, we're overworded. The Bible even is, it, it's the most, uh, it's, to date, it's the it's the highest grossing, or what am I saying? It's the most sold book, is what I'm trying to get out of my mouth. It's a good thing for editing, right? <laughs> it's the highest selling book, even last year, highest selling book, or the, the most sold book on the planet. Yet, probably, you know, the one that collects more dust than, than any of our other books on the shelf, if we're being honest. So if it's this important, you know, it's like, wh- when was the last time we read some from the letter? When was the last time we studied something out? When was the last, ti- last time we became captivated by this letter that's written that has the keys to my eternity, the keys to my life on this side of heaven, my keys to all of my relationships, the keys uh, to, to how to manage my finances and, and wealth, and the keys for how to be a generous spirit, the keys for everything on the planet in this letter? When was the last time we cracked the binding? and got swept away by the amazing word that's there see because I think the reality is this if I were to tell you hey at 3 p.m. today we did a little video promo earlier you know at 3 p.m. today God's gonna call in and all of you guys can call in and get and be a part of this conference call here's the number he's gonna just speak some things to us he's gonna straighten out some theology you know get the church back into and into unity and, and he's just gonna kind of set the record straight like how many of you would be like Ooh, that's kind of that's like over my nap time you know how many of you would be like oh I've got a t-ball game or, or whatever it is and it's not to disparage those things obviously we have to eat and obviously we love the Lord even by blessing our children I'm certainly not disparaging those things but what I am saying is there's not a person in here who wouldn't completely wipe their entire calendar to be on the phone call with that man when he calls in just to, just to hear, even if you couldn't participate, but just to hear what he had to say that day. Every single one of us would wipe our calendar, would wipe everything. And you'd bring all of your kids in, wouldn't you? We'd gather in like little chicks. We'd gather them in and we'd be like, oh, God's going to speak to us today. Now listen, the God, the God of the planet is going to speak to us today. And yet all of us have the very same thing, in essence, recorded and sitting on the shelves of our home, when was the last time we sat down with our children and said, hey, this is incredibly important. God's going to speak to us today. When was the last time we gave that word the same level of importance that you and I would give that phone call? But we have it. He's given the phone call. Somebody already took the notes. And the notes are available for everybody. It's time that we take it more seriously than what I suspect... We have taken it till now. Second Timothy chapter two, starting in verse fifteen, it says or just in verse fifteen it says uh, Paul speaking to Timothy, be diligent to present yourself, a proof to God as workmen who uh, who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. You know it's even a qualification for elders, right? that they can rightly handle this Word of God and that they can teach it in the end. Here's an admonishment to the rest of us. Look, it it can't be interpreted as something where it says, oh, through your striving we gain God's approval in this area. Look, you're not going to gain any more of God's approval right now sitting like a bump on a toad's butt than what you are going to be the greatest theologian who's going after the Word eight hours a day. Like, There's no more approval for any one of you You understand that? Like Jesus has already said, I'm approved. He's got a stamp of approval right on my forehead. I'm in. Like he's sealed me up. I'm in relationship with him. I'm loved perfectly just as I am. There's no more that I can do to get anything. But how many of you know there's some favor to be had? See, that's a whole different thing, isn't it? See, this speaks to something. This speaks to God's heart and His desire for us to press in and excavate the truths from in this from within this letter that He sent to you and I. That He dictated through the apostles and different ones uh, in the uh, in, in the first century church who wrote all these different scriptures that we have. Like he's looking for us to partner with him in the place of relationship and it says he's pleased by that he's pleased when we go after him and really honestly it's in this place like none other that in this encounter, this exchange with this word of God which he breathed and we have captured in the canonization of scripture there is no place like this to bring total and complete transformation to my mind, to the way that I think and the Bible says that my battleground is in my mind we owe it to God to read the letter that he wrote. I think there's a lot of excuses that we have. Uh, I think for some people, they go, I, look, I'm confused. I don't understand a single word that that, that the Bible says in that case. You know, I, I think some of us could testify that. You're like, I read it. I don't understand it. I hope that we speak to that a little bit today before we get to the end. And we're going to go ahead and get to the end. Does that sound all right? I think. I think we're going to get to the end. Maybe I've just ridiculously overdone it. I don't know. You know what I mean? And we'll try to gauge that and you know, try to bring another message accordingly, but we're going to try to make it to the end, so, you know, and uh, yeah, to that end, I've just derailed myself, so, yeah, okay, good, reasons for, (laughs) so, so sometimes we read the Bible, we have no idea what he's even saying to us, it's like, hello, you said that I had the Holy Spirit who's going to teach me all things, but I, I got nothing on this one, right, you know, and so I think that diminishes our desire, our heart to jump in there, but honestly, for a lot of us, I think we're just bored, like the Bible, reading it is boring, and I don't want to do it because it's agonizing and it just takes my life from me. You know what I mean? I'd rather sit and have coffee with God. I'd rather do anything but read that boring book. You know? And if I were to tell you, you know, raise your hands, probably some of us would be like, yeah, that's the reason I don't read it. It's golly. It's boring. You know, it would be boring if we approached the Word of God like a normal book. It would be. Like, there's a lot of entertaining writing out there that I could go to. Like, the Scripture, I, I don't go to it for entertainment value. Like you know, what I, mean? I mean, although there's pretty entertaining things in there. Like I don't read the stories and think to myself, you know what? Hey, yeah, you know, mm, yeah. See, this is the problem with my filter being broken. But hey, you know what? We're going to throw it out there anyway. I'm going to go use the restroom, and my reading material is the Bible. I'm going to entertain myself for you know however long. I'm not in there long enough to entertain myself. I'm in and out, task oriented, baby. <laughs> it's not for entertainment value that I approach the Word of God. I'm not there to pick it up and say, oh, that was a fun story. Look, I'm literally there. I pick up this Word, this God-breathed Word, to encounter Him. I pick up this God-breathed word so that I could excavate every single truth of what he's communicated to me in that place. Look, how many of you, how many of you are, are avid readers? Like to the degree that you, you know the authors, like you've read some of the bios. You know, for those who are avid readers, probably, you know, if Hastings was going to do a book signing with your favorite author, you would want to be there and get your book signed. You'd want to talk to him. And it, man, if there was ever an opportunity for you to take your favorite book and just sit down with the author and say, what were you thinking when you wrote? this like where where did your inspiration come from you'd probably totally take advantage of that like that would be a totally stellar deal but look that's what we get to do when we read the word of god like i don't sit down like linearly and just as plain face value kind of go oh wow that sucked that was really boring it just literally took life from me that day that was a worthless activity i sit down with the author and i and i read it and we we dialogue about it we chew and i go what, what were you thinking when you wrote that? I'm like, I'm like Moses when I'm reading the Bible. I'm going you know what they're going to think about you because of that verse making it at the Scripture? You know, where I'm having an exchange with the author, where I'm inputting something and I'm asking questions of him. Like, why did you write what you wrote? See, because the Bible is not about me getting from start to finish. It's not about me putting a check mark in a task that I have or some religious activity. It's actually about me getting closer to the author, the one who produced the materials in the first place. The reading of the Scripture for me is... It's all about encounter it's all about renewing my mind it's all about like looking into the word and becoming like those who i behold there becoming like jesus in the flesh being able to be his hands and feet and walk that out being a better son frankly how many of us you know growing up like we, we desire to be a good son or a good daughter we have that built on the inside of us i'm reading my letter from the father so that i could be the very best son that i could be he laid down his life for me that word tells me, and I'm going to lay down my life for Him. I'm going to pursue Him with my entire being, looking for an encounter in His Word, not just to conquer it, not just to be able to come to church and raise my hand when the pastor says, did you read your Bible this week? But to encounter, look, I could really care less whether you read it or not, frankly, when when it comes to this, when we're just talking about this religious activity. I'm looking for you, I'm looking to impart something to you of a value for encountering His presence, and a value for being in a place where you You were you were you transformed into his likeness because you've gone someplace in the word, or you've been sucked away into a new like a distant land where he's imparting new truths and speaking great things to you. How many of you hate to read? Come on, be honest. I I see I see a little honesty back there. All right, see it's always the guys, right? Same guys as first service, but you know, so the, the rest of you apparently you're avid readers, and so my other illustrations work out for you, or you're lying. As for me, I want you to know this. There are times... When I, just get, when I just get caught up, I mean, when I had the ability to do so, let me tell you, those days are long gone. There were times when I could just get swept away five or six hours just investigating the Word and allowing the Holy Spirit to take me like a river through the channels. And I'd get excited. And I'd look at my clock and go, oh, I've got to go do these tasks. And I don't have time to, to And I'd have to shut it down. And there's something of hunger, like this life that happens when you begin to partner with God and His Word in that place. But let me tell you, I don't do it because I love to read. I hate reading. I, did, I hate it. Like I mean, I, I hate it. I have a value for it. I understand it's a good thing. I don't like to do it. <laughs> I, you know, I would rather be on my tractor mowing my field or something. You know I'm like? Hey, look at that. Like, I spent an hour. I got something accomplished. You know, I come into the house and the house is a wreck and, and you know, people are reading books. I'm like, what? Is there nothing to do? <laughs> you know what I mean? And by people, I mean my wife. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> Is there no work to be done? I've got, I've got a few things in the shop, you know. The, you know right? I mean, like, I have no value for reading as it relates to all of the other things that I have to do on my list. Frankly, I'd rather be doing all those things. Or you know what? If it came down to reading, I would rather somebody else just read the book to me. We call that TV. <laughs> right? You know? Read the book. Sit down for two hours and get the whole thing in one sitting. I'm good. It's more entertaining. I have just, it's just not a part of who I am or who God's created to me. Yet I'm telling you that I'm captivated by His Word. That He draws me away into this sweet place where, where I don't want to leave that. Where I'm more prone to turning off the TV for entertainment and more prone to going into His presence and saying, man, can you just show me? Like, that's amazing what you're saying with that. Like, that has implications. And talk to me about this. And I'm wrestling with the Word of God. I'm here to tell you now, if you don't like to read, the Bible is your best friend. See, because the Bible is not the, it's not the textbook. It's not the book that your college professor gives you that's this thick. And he says, have it to me read and report on it by Monday. You're like, oh my gosh. Like somebody has cliff notes. I got to cheat. Like something's got to happen. Like surely somebody's got to report on the internet because I can't read that in a week. Like that's not the Bible at all. You know, it's it's not about me getting through this thing in a week and and God bless the the different things that we have get through the Bible in a year and yada 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 look there's value to that it's the Word of God it's living and sharp it's active and it will cut through and it will have benefit as you read it and as you apply it as you study it as you you know as you hear it on tape if that's your deal I'm not suggesting it's not going to have benefit but what I am saying to you is that is not the primary mode by which God had intended to communicate it to you it's not just simply an activity that you put a check on that you accomplish oh look at me i'm cool i got the bible done in a year look i'm telling you guys who hate to read if you get through one word if you get through one sentence you're doing good see there's no requirement that you have to read the whole thing at least not in one year when i sit down to read the word of god my goal is to read one chapter oftentimes i don't get through that I don't get through it because he arrests me oftentimes in the first sentence with one particular word, and I go, wow, did it really say that? I don't remember hearing that one before. How many times have I read the Bible? I couldn't tell you. I, You know, hundreds probably, you, you know. And yet still I read it because I'm reading it for an encounter. I'm reading it with a dialogue. I'm asking questions of the author. And in that place, I may not get the chapter completed because he so arrests me with some just... God breathed words some just something that captivates my heart and my attention right there in the beginning hmm alright I'm just going to end it with this and then we will we'll come back and we'll, we'll give you the rest of the story first thing you do when you look to read your scripture which we've all said was pretty important right a letter from the God of the universe. I'm going to position myself. I'm going to clear my calendar to make sure I hear that message. I hope that you're connecting the dots on that. The first thing I do when I go to read that scripture is I position myself to hear from him. And that's what we've been talking about, isn't it? I'm positioning myself to have a conversation, a dialogue, a give and take. That's relationship, folks. Relationship's not God speaking to me saying, Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And that's great, and I wish He would do that more directly sometimes. But He's actually looking for your input. He's actually attempting, as a father, to raise you up in the way that you should go. And when you're making the right decisions, it blesses His fatherly heart. See, He's looking for an encounter with you, He's not looking to dictate your life. He's looking to release life in abundance. He's looking to connect with you. He hasn't given you one more religious activity to do to try to separate you from the world. Like, that's pharisaical, right? The Pharisees who knew the word inside and out, but when the living word stood in front of them, they didn't recognize it. See, it's not about reading Scripture. It's not about memorizing it. It's not about being a good boy. It's about getting to know the author. So number one, we position ourselves for an encounter. We pray. We open up our ears. We rope off that session so that we can have a dialogue with the author. So we'll just end with that. Jesus, we ask that you would inspire us to get back in your word, to take it as seriously as it is. Father, that you would do something in the United States of America, like like these other nations who don't have access to your Word, Lord. They, you know, they rip out pages and memorize it. They, you know, they just they're baffled by our laxadaisical attitude, by our just uh, just our complacency, God. So I'm asking that you'd rock that boat, that you'd shake us out of complacency, that we would begin to take it as serious as it is, that we would begin to carve out time in our schedule to encounter you, to position ourselves just to hear your voice, to to. Know know your name to know who you are to have our ears open sensitize our voices to your presence God. sensitize or sensitize our ears rather sensitize our ears to your voices to your voice, good lord Woo! come on jesus <laughs> derailed by weird music <laughs> mm, thank you jesus and father we just thank you that you're not after religion you're just after encounter. You're after relationship with us. You really, you're, you're concerned with how we think. You're concerned with what we're doing with our lives, our tongues, and, and you're desirous to have those kinds of, of, of encounters with us. Just to sit down as a father and say, hey, I've been meaning to have this dialogue with you for some time. You know, And so God, would you stir something up in our heart that causes us to pursue you in relationship through your word to the degree that we are wrecked for the ordinary, that every time we crack the page, God, it jumps out at us. It's just a, like a, every time we open it up, your Holy Spirit teaches us something new and, and profound, not to just have some new and profound thing, but Lord, to be radically impacted and transformed into your likeness. We ask all that in Jesus' name.